Amen. Well, good morning again, guys. What a fun morning. This is so great. So fun. I even forgot to print off my notes, and I get to have my computer this morning. Watch out. I, and I'm not 100% charged, so this is going to have to be a nice and short, sweet sermon, which you know is hard for me. Okay, well, we, uh, before we start the message, I just want to remind you guys, um, many of us have been in this um, 22 days of prayer and fasting for 2022, and today is the last day of that. And tonight, there is a link that we will send out. I don't know where Maggie is, but um, we can send out that link some in, through GroupMe's or whatever. There is a kind of closing service that the Antioch in Waco, Texas is putting on tonight at, I think, 6 p.m.? You know, 6 p.m. If you want to stream into that, we're going to do that at our house, but um, hopefully you have access to that link. If you want to join in with other Antioch churches that have been doing this praying and fasting, just to thank the Lord for what he's been doing and what he's been speaking. And also, I think it'll be really inspiring to hear any common themes that God's been highlighting throughout this fast. So you're welcome to do that. Uh, but let's jump into this message here. I'm going to finish out this Pillars series um, this morning. So as I mentioned already, Revelation 3, 12, the very beginning of that says, the one who conquers or the one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Everybody say conquers. conquers. Say overcomes. How many of you guys want to be one that conquers and overcomes? Anybody besides me? Come on. Well, this is incredible promise that is in Scripture to this specific church at that time, but the Lord has been highlighting it to us and said, hey, if you overcome, if you conquer, I'm going to make you a pillar. And so we want to lean into that. What does that mean? And I believe that it's related to this new season that God's entering us into with this church building. But it's so much more than about, about a building and about a location. Because you guys know God cannot be contained by a building. Yes, you know that? It's not about that. But I believe there is something uh, inside of us that God's wanting us to know. He wants to strengthen us as pillars. He wants to reveal what it means to be a pillar in his house. All right, and I gave you, there's a slide that will be up here. I gave you some working definitions of what a pillar in the house of God could look like. There's four things I wrote down here. I think there's a slide. Maybe there is. So a pillar is one who provides strength, stability, and support to the work of God and his church. A pillar is one who is securely established in the presence of God as a worshiper and intercessor. A pillar can be trusted with people and responsibilities in the church. And a pillar is one who can carry weight and be relied upon. So those are some working definitions. I also, the first time I preached a couple weeks ago, just listed out different ways that it could look. But with all those things that it could mean, we simplified it over these last three weeks into three things we're focusing on throughout this series. And that is this. The pillars are grounded. Everybody say grounded. They are dedicated. Say dedicated. And they are activated. Say activated. So grounded, I preached a couple weeks ago, just being grounded particularly in the gospel. We cannot be a pillar in God's house if we don't understand nor live in the power of the gospel. It is literally our everyday life. It flows from what Jesus did for us on the cross and through his resurrection. Amen? It literally starts and ends there, and it's everything in between. I've said it over the years. It's just I, I just don't ever want to get f too far away from the cross and from the resurrection and from the gospel. I don't want to get far away at all. There's a lot of things we can go into in Scripture that don't necessarily directly have to do with Jesus dying on the cross, but literally they wouldn't exist if Jesus didn't die on the cross and resurrect, if that makes sense. So we want to be grounded in the gospel. Uh, last week, Jeremy did a great job talking about being dedicated in the house of God, particularly in our time, talents, and treasures. It was such an encouraging service. He called out individual folks within our church that have been dedicated and giving up time and talents and treasures. So that was super encouraging. And then this morning, we're going to focus on what it looks like to be activated, specifically activated in the purposes of God. I love the timing of this message. It actually wasn't our original 
um, was not our original plan, but I'm glad I get to preach on this this morning, especially after what we just did and what we're about to enter into in a few weeks, the new church building. So pray with me. We're going to ask the Lord to teach us what it means to be activated in his purposes. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would open our hearts. Thank you for capacity for more. There's been a lot this morning already, but, Lord, I just pray you would give us ears to hear. You would give us a heart to receive. God, you would give us eyes to see or show us what it looks like and what it means to be activated in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to slide over to the middle of the chairs. We're a little bit cockeyed this morning, but that's all right. That's good. That's good. Here we go. Activated. In general, what do I mean? If you're activated as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, in general, what I mean, it's, it's the difference between being a spectator, kind of showing up, watching the things of God, watching people pursue God, watching what's happening, and it's the difference between that and being a participant, being engaged in the things of God. Now here's a definition. Definition is to, of activate is to make something active. You got it. It's to be operative. It's to cause to function or act. But here's a couple other words I could have used instead of activated. Operate or to get going, to initiate, set in motion, mobilize, motivate, propel forward, empower, and equip. Any of you guys like those words? I like words like that that get us going in a certain direction. I love it. Well, that last one, the word equip, everybody say equip. That is directly from Scripture, but it's also very much connected to this activated piece. This is from Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It says this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So this passage talks about different gifts that Jesus gives to his church to help lead his people. But then it clarifies the purpose of those gifts within the body of Christ. These are leadership gifts. There's other gifts that all of us can operate in. But the Lord is intentional with his structure of how the church is supposed to function. But the purpose of these types of gifts and these leadership roles is not to puff up in a title. It's not to, wow, look at me and how gifted I am. It's not so that you can figure out exactly what your title is. <laughs> That's not the point. The point in that second part is to do what? Equip the saints or to activate the people of God. Now let me pause. Everybody say saints. Okay, it's not just a football team. Okay, all right. It's not just, you know, the uh, famous people the Catholic Church likes to recognize, okay? Saints literally means the holy ones or the called out ones. It's those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus and by his blood have been made holy and righteous. So you know what that means? You are a saint. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you are a saint. <clears throat> okay, this is important because I don't want you to read that and be like, that's a nice verse for those super spiritual people. Okay, no, you and me, we are saints. It's just a word that is used throughout Scripture in the New Testament to ref reference the people of God. So if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are a saint. And here's what it says, is that you are meant to be equipped for the work of ministry. And the rest of Ephesians 4 talks about what happens when you're in a body that takes seriously not just a few people on stage or with microphones that do the work of ministry, but a body that takes seriously equipping everyone for the work of ministry. It says that it leads to, this is verse 13 through 16, it leads to unity. It leads to revelation knowledge of God, which means you're just blown away over and over again by how amazing and glorious and big God is. Okay, it leads to maturity. It leads to the fullness of Christ. It leads to growing discernment. 
It leads to walking in truth, knowing the truth. It leads to love and strength. Any of those things that I just mentioned sound appealing to you? You want maturity? You want unity? You want to have revelation knowledge of God? Great. The way that that happens is through the body of Christ, you guys as saints, being equipped for the work of ministry. Another way to say that is being activated for the work of ministry. Here's the deal, guys. This is what I want you to remember throughout this series, or this talk this morning. You were made for this. You were actually made to not sit on the sideline. Your spirit, your soul, whatever you want to call it, the inside of you will come alive when you walk into this. When you say, I am meant to be activated. I am meant to be equipped. None of us in this room were meant to sit on the sideline, to be kind of out of the game. None of you were made to sit idle. And I believe this is one of the things that God has really put on my wife and I's heart and one of the things we believe God sent us here to this region to do is to activate and empower and equip believers. Let's go do this thing. There's enough people sitting on the sideline doing nothing. Let's be a church that goes and does the work of the ministry. All of you in all of your workplaces and all of your places you go eat out. It's like we are bringing the kingdom of God, the presence of God everywhere we go. And when we do that, we will see revival. Instead of waiting for revival to be led by the worship team <laughs> or waiting for revival to come because some amazing preacher just brought the house down. It's like, I'm, I like amazing worship teams. I like preachers that bring the house down, whatever that means. <laughs> it's great. But like, we will see the kingdom of God advance in Northwest Arkansas when the people of God are activated. And when we are equipped and when from Sunday to Sunday and every day in between, we're walking out the things that we see in Scripture and living it out. And we're not, we're not looking for just the next wow story. We're looking for little and faithful and consistent steps of obedience to God. And when we do that collectively, it changes this region and his kingdom comes. Amen? So what are we activated in? I've said this phrase a couple times, activated in the purposes of God. Now, what are the purposes of God? There's a lot of ways we could say that. I would say it. One way to say it is to know God and to make him known as to God's purposes. But let me even be more specific, and this is what we're going to dive into the rest of this morning. What are we activated in? There's a slide that has two things. We're activated, or you're activated in your connection with God, and you're activated in the mission of God. So let's talk about your connection with God. Now, there's two aspects of it. One is personal, one is more corporate. So in your connection with God, let me start on the personal side of things. When we talk about being activated in your connection with God, it's about your personal time with him and your personal holiness. Okay, all of us are individuals. Yes, <laughs> okay, great. But we are also a part of a corporate body, okay? But let me talk about you as an individual. What I mean by you being activated, it means we need to take seriously our personal time with God our alone time with God, our one-on-one -on -one time with God our Father. Okay, you'll hear us call this time with Jesus often around here. Now, I'm not going to go in-depth on talking about this right now because next week we're starting a five-week series called Alone with God. Okay, everybody say Alone with God. Okay, so we are, it's not just a five-week series, but it's, it's almost like an initiative that we are taking as a church staff where we're going to give resources, we're going to give messaging, we're going to talk about it in life group, we're going to talk about it in discipleship, because really our goal is we're going to do five weeks, so February 6th to March 6th, is by March 6th, every one of us have a vibrant and consistent and high-quality personal time with God every day. That's our goal. 
All right? Some of you are like, man, I love this. I'm consistent. I read the Bible every day. I talk with Jesus every day. Some of you are like, you know, it's kind of spotty. But no matter where you are, we're all on a journey. And even if you're doing amazing, let's, let's take the quality of our connection with God to the next level. And this next five weeks, we're going to be pushing into that, praying into that, focusing on that. And one of the reasons that I'll go into next week is we believe all good fruit in our life flows from your personal connection with Jesus on a daily basis. So we'll go into that. Let me just comment real quick, not just on personal connection with Jesus, but your personal holiness. Again, this is a whole other message. Really, it's a whole other series of just our holiness. What I mean is just your right living before God. Your holy living, your lifestyle choices, do they honor God or not? And let me just comment on this in regards to holiness. I'm going to give you like a whole uh, five-week series in two sentences. Ready? All I want to say, and what I want to plant a seed of faith in your heart is, is that you do not have to be stuck in any sin. You, you don't have to be stuck or trapped in any sin. And I know you guys in this room, and I know human nature, none of us like feeling trapped. Does anybody just really love, you know, being a slave? Nobody loves being a slave to anything or anyone. None of us love being trapped. And I know you want freedom. And I want freedom from the things that hold me down. So here's all I want to say in regards to this journey of walking in victory and freedom and holiness is here's what you can do right now. Like, we're at the beginning of a year, closing out the first month of 2022. There is no better time for you to decide in your heart by faith that you are done being stuck in blank. This is the year of victory. If you want it to be, it is an opportunity for breakthrough. And there is no shame from God. There is no condemnation. I don't care what you did this morning, how nasty, how ugly. It doesn't matter. By the blood of Jesus, mercy is available right now. Fresh start available now. (laughs) Because of what he did, it's so amazing. And so here's my quick encouragement of what to do now. If you want to go in that path of victory and holiness and purity and integrity, identify what the problem is. Tell someone. Start praying about it yourself and get prayer from others. And then just what's one practical thing you can do differently that will help you not be so tempted in blank area. Okay, here's an example. If scrolling through Instagram continues to cause you to lust, delete Instagram today. Just do it. Actually, you can do it right now. Okay, whatever the thing is, just make one change and see what fruit it brings. But involve other people, identify it, talk to God about it, and we're going to move forward as a church, helping each other walk in holiness. But let me talk not just about our personal time with God, connection with God, and holiness, but corporate connection with God, okay? What I mean is worship and intercession type settings, all right? When you're with other believers. So you could thank church, you could thank life group, you could thank prayer meetings, you could thank discipleship groups. That's what I'm talking about. And when I talk about being activated, it's the difference. Let's, let's talk about worship for a second, being activated in worship. It's the difference between watching the worship team worship God and thinking, oh, they're good. You know, at least that's an encouraging thought, you know, that's <laughs> instead of critiquing them. You know, oh, that's good. That's a nice song. I like that song. Oh, those are cool words. You know, and I like that music. And man, that girl band, well, girl band with Joey, you know, that was powerful, you know, like oh, just awesome. Okay. It's being activated means you go from watching people worship to actually worshiping God yourself. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, it's like, you know, we're all on a journey of overcoming distractions, but it's like when you close your eyes and when you sing the name Jesus, you believe he's there. And that is like my greatest desire and longing in any worship setting we're in as a church family is like we know God is here and we honor him, we revere him, and we worship as if no one else like, is here. It's just, oh, God is here. And when we do that and when we all are activated in that place of worship, you know what happens in the room? 
<laughs> the level of faith, expectation, and hunger just keeps going higher and higher, and you're like, I just powerfully encounter God. This is amazing, which is all biblical. Ephesians 2 talks about when the people of God are joined together, that's a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, all of us are on a journey of learning how to overcome distractions and what other people think in the room, so I get it. My journey, okay, a few weeks after I got saved, maybe even a few months, you know, I was, I was kind of in the back row, kind of disengaged a little bit, just kind of watching worship, and I had one of the youth leaders that, like, said, hey, Mitchell, come on, why don't you come on down to the front and worship with us? And I, I, literally, for a few weeks, I said, no, no, it's okay, that's for you. Uh, and then, but after a few weeks, got more comfortable and started coming up to the front and worshiping God, and I got saved at a church where it was, like, song one or one and a half and two were all like praise songs, you know, so you dance, so you jump. And then song three, it's like you slow down a little bit, but you're still declaring things. And then song four, you're just kind of like, hmm, yes, Lord. You know, that's kind of the progression of worship uh, that I grew up in. And so song one and two, my youth pastor was also on the worship team. And he said, Mitch, he, he said what I developed was this worship wind-up. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you know, song one, you kind of go like this. And then song two, you're like, you're like, you're just ready. You're just jumping and dancing and singing. And so... You want to develop your own worship wind-up? You're welcome to do that. Let's just grow as a people that are activated in worshiping God, for real. Let's talk about prayer for a second, being activated in prayer. You know, what's the difference of being activated and not activated? Not activated would mean you come to settings like this and you listen to other people pray. Now, it's great, and you can also nod and say, amen, that's awesome. But that's different than praying yourself. Now, I jokingly say there's one thing that I make you do at Antioch, and that is pray. I make you pray, and you'll thank me later. <laughs> okay, I, listen, I see it. I, we're all on a journey, but I see it. The first few times that you've been to church, and I say, all right, guys, I get up here. I'm like, we're going to pray. We're going to seek God. We're going to call it down, just, you know, just the power of the Holy Spirit. And I say this, we're about to break into groups of two or three or four, and you're going to turn and pray with one another. Listen, I see it in your eyes, some of you. You're like, oh, no, that's me. Oh, no, he's serious. Oh, no, I'm about to be in a group of two or three people and be expected to pray out loud. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I see it in some of your eyes. But you do it. And then you, afterwards, you're like, hmm, I kind of feel stirred up in my spirit. I'm like, yes, you're welcome. <laughs> you were made. You were made for that. You were made to be activated in your faith and your connection with God. And when you get around other believers, does the fire keep spreading? You're like, yes, I was made for this. I remember my first you know, prayer, out loud prayer at a Bible study and youth group. Oh my gosh, it was so awkward. I was so nervous. It was like the end of a Bible study and I was just chosen to pray. First time out loud, my younger brother was there and he was kind of like, Mitchell's going to pray. You know, like, I was like, Lord, thank you for this Bible study. Thank you. Amen. You know, that's all. That's all I said. But I was like, I did it. Yeah. My brother was like, wow, that was powerful, man. Okay, I loved, I've loved hearing multiple times in the last couple years, people in our church say, man, I've never prayed this much before. I've learned how to pray here. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. A lot of people have said, this is actually my first time to pray out loud. I remember Victor, our worship leader, he's here somewhere, but maybe he's not in the room right now. Uh, but <laughs> I remember at our, one of our first gatherings together with him and some of his family, it was like almost two and a half years ago. They're at my house. We had this powerful worship time. And then we were closing out in prayer. And I said, Victor, why don't you close it out? in prayer, and all of his friends literally out loud just started laughing, snickering, like, he's about to pray out loud. Is he going to do it? I don't know. And so he does. He prays out loud in front of a group of 10 or 12 people. And it was, it was nice. You know, it was a nice prayer. It was good. But what you'll notice about Victor 
is that he prays very comfortably now out loud in front of lots of people and leads our church in worship often. Isn't that great? So it's, he's come a long way. <laughs> I wish he was in the room to hear me say that, but they just had a baby. Praise God. Little Judah is here. So y'all see them in a little bit. Okay, but let me close out this section of being activated in your connection with God. By, I just want us to fly through a couple things in scripture about the early church because what you'll notice about the early church it is hard to deny is when the early church got together you know what they did they prayed and they worshiped all of them out loud okay let's look at this for a second i'm going to fly through a whole bunch of things all right it's going to be on the screen you take a picture of these references and i only get through half of the book of acts okay so here's a couple slides acts 114 this is all these believers with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, boom, the power of the Holy Spirit shows up. I have a good feeling, based on chapter 1, that they were together worshiping, praying, seeking God. Acts 2, 42 to 47, this is what passes we read almost every week at Life Group. It says they devoted themselves to lots of other things, but specifically prayer. And it says in the temple and from house to house, they were praising and worshiping God. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Very interesting. Next slide. Acts 4, 23 and 24, it says, uh, this is right after uh, Peter and John were released from being arrested. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And at the end of that prayer meeting, look what it says. When they had prayed, where's verse 31? There it is. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That is a powerful prayer meeting right there. Then chapter 6, verse 4, it says, But we all will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That was a comment from some of the leaders of the church. That this is what we're going to devote our time to. Then one more slide, chapter 12 and 13. It says this in verse 5, chapter 12. So Peter was kept in prison, but look what happened. Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verse 12, when they realized this, he went. So this is after he got broken out of that um, prison <laughs> verse 12 it says when they realized this he went to the house of mary the mother of john whose other name was mark where many were gathered together and were praying and last but not least chapter 13 this is the church in antioch here it says while they were worshiping the lord and fasting the holy spirit said set apart for me barnabas and saul for the work to which i have called them then after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them and sent them off now let me pause on the last one that's just that's just funny to me it starts off with while they were worshiping the Lord with fasting, so they were already worshiping, the Holy Spirit speaks something, and so what they decided to do? Let's keep praying and worshiping and fasting, okay? Let's keep fasting and praying, and then they laid their hands on these guys and sent them off. So it's pretty clear to see that it was common for the early church to do what when they got together? Prayed, they worshiped, they fasted, they sought God. So my hope, my prayer, is that you guys see that this should be normal for us as the people of God. Now that last verse is helpful in what we're about to talk about, and that is being activated in the mission of God. It says, through this place of a vibrant prayer and worship culture, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was speaking, and it was, he was speaking about the mission of God. Set apart these guys to go do the work that I've called them to, and it says they sent them off. So let's talk about being sent off into the mission of God. All right, you guys good? So one more little chunk, and then we're done. All right, being activated in the mission of God. What is the mission of God? Anybody know? How would you say it? Go make disciples. What else? Spread the good news. Expand his kingdom. Great answers. Great answers. Fish, somebody, I think somebody said fishing. Yes. <laughs> fishing for souls of men. Yes. Amen. 
All right, well, let me establish this before we talk about the mission of God, which is to seek and save the lost, which is to reach people, to bring people into his kingdom for people to come to him. We have to know this. God's heart and God's desire is for people to know him. All right, there's a slide that has a couple verses about God's desire for other people. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Luke 10, Luke 19, 10 says the son of God came to seek and save the lost. 2 Peter 3, 9 says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, wishing, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. And then 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 is very clear. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is God's heart? He wants people to know him, yes? He wants people to come and experience him. Now, will everybody choose to repent? Will everybody come to know God? Or No, some people will reject him. Some people will harden their hearts, and that it should grieve our hearts because it grieves the heart of God. But what we need to know first, if we want to be activated in his mission, is that God really cares. And I think one of the first things we can do is ask God, Lord, would you give me some of your heart? I want to care about people the way you do. And what's so crazy is that the way God accomplishes this desire of his is he partners with us. He partners with his people. God partners with us to see people come to know him. I'm going to give you another slide. Here's several verses that you'll hopefully be familiar with. Matthew 28, 18 is when Jesus says, go out and make disciples. He's talking to us, his followers, his disciples. Go do this. In Mark 16, also similar, he's saying, you guys, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Acts 1, 8 he says, you're going to receive the power, the Holy Spirit, in your power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witnesses. God could do it any way that he wants to. And there's some pretty amazing stories about how God reveals himself to people all over the world through dreams and through visions. But you know, a common denominator through all of it, through any story, uh, your story, this is true of you, you learning to follow God has always included another human being, another believer. It has always included another person preaching the word to you, another person just getting beside you and saying, I'm going to walk with you through something difficult, somebody else studying the Bible with you. It's always been a partnership with God, and he loves to partner with us. And here are some ways that we can partner with him. One is broad sowing. Everybody say broad sowing. A lot of analogies in Scripture about farming and about seeds. Here's what I mean by broad sowing. Everywhere that you go, my encouragement and my challenge to myself is that I would sow broadly everywhere that I go little seeds of the kingdom. Or you could say little comments, little words, little things about Jesus to other people everywhere that I go. Okay, so I'm talking like uh, the grocery store, the gas station, coffee shops. Okay, wherever you eat lunch today, what if all of you just plan? I'm going to at least throw one seed out there. I'm just going to ask the waiter or waitress or the person that's checking me out at the cashier. I'm going to just say, hey, you need any prayer for anything? Those are little tiny seeds that if we all did that regularly, guess what's going to happen? It's going to fall on some good soil sometimes. Isn't that great? We never really know exactly where the good soil is. We can pray that God would lead us to good soil, but I want us to be a church that continues to sow broadly everywhere that we go. And we know, you know what? We, we, we might never know how God will use it. The little seeds we sow, we may never know how God might use it. A couple stories I think of. There's a guy I interacted with at a gas station one time. Small conversation. He kind of just like, yeah, okay, Jesus, that's great. You know, I asked him, invited him to church, and literally didn't hear from him for years. And then I get this random Facebook message from this random guy. I had no idea who he was, but his entry was, hey, man, this might sound ra- random, but 
four years ago, you talked to me at a gas station and talked to me about Jesus, and now I'm like following him. I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's awesome. This is such a simple little seed. I might have prayed for the guy, you know, but didn't think about it. Didn't like intercede for him for four years by name because I forgot his name, you know. Uh, but like he messaged me and says, I'm following God. Isn't that great? Now, probably I can guarantee I wasn't the only seed, but it, I bet it helped enough that he remembered me and messaged me. So encouraging. Or I just, a uh, cool story of a girl I met this week um, at Stone Mill. And just how, this is a long, long backstory, but two years ago, there was a group from the Antioch and College Station that came up to Northwest Arkansas right before COVID, uh, and they were sowing a bunch of seeds all over this region, and they met a girl up in Bentonville and uh, talked about Jesus a little bit and just made a great impression on her, and um, I, turns out she's working at Stone Mill, and I got to talk to her a little bit about Jesus, and I said, what, she asked what church I go to, and she's, I said, Antioch, she's like, no way, two years ago, I met these people, and they were just so great, I was like, this is awesome. This is such a full circle of just a story of how God works through crazy small little seeds. So there you go. Broad sowing. Everybody say broad sowing. Just do it. Just do, listen. What do you have to lose? I know what you have to lose. Your reputation, you know, pride. But all those things you actually want to lose. So go ahead and go lose it today. All right. Okay. The other way to partner with God in his mission and be activated in the mission of God is through intentional investment. So you got broad sowing, but you also got intentional investment. Okay, here's what I mean by that. It's the specific people that you know that are in what I would call your sphere of influence. So if you're a student, it means like your classmates, okay, your people in your major, okay? If you work, it's your coworkers, okay? Your family, it's your family members. Or even if you go to a common coffee shop or a common place and you know some of the workers, that could be your sphere of influence. It's the place that you have influence or you have connections or you know people that I don't know people or your neighbor doesn't know people, all right? And it's through intentional investment through in those people that we get to partner with the mission of God. Very pra- There's lots of scriptures I can mention here about that. You can think of Matthew 28, go and make disciples. You can also think of 2 Timothy 2.2 that talks about what you've received, pass on to other people. But here is like a really easy practice, and we're actually about to do this together, is thinking of, by name, two or three people that are in your sphere of influence that you write down and that you consistently pray for and ask the Lord would open their heart, ask the Lord to touch them, ask the Lord to encounter them, ask the Lord to save them. And they have, may have some sort of relationship with God, or they may not, but you can pray in whatever way you want to in their journey with God that they would grow and they would know him really well. And what you'll start to see is that every once in a while, some of these folks you pray for, they start getting hungry. They start asking you questions. They get in the conversation. They ask what you did this week, and then you realize that you have to answer honestly. I went to church, and I worship God. And they're going to be like, oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, they might, it might turn into a conversation. And so that is how a simple way that we can advance the kingdom of God and partner with his mission being activated in his purposes. All right? So here's how we're going to close out service. The band, go ahead and come on up. I want you to pull out your phone uh, or your journal. It's fine, but you're all going to write something down here or type something down. We're going to start um, with literally one question that's just between you and God, and that is, do I want to be activated in the purposes of God? Like I'd already mentioned to you, I believe you're made for this, but it's really important to go ahead and ask that question to God and go ahead and say yes to him personally instead of just being inspired maybe by what I might say. It's like an internal choice that you can make and say, yeah, Lord, I do, God, I do. I want to be activated in your purposes. Okay, so start there. And then secondly, what I want you to do is I want you to write out two or three people's names that are in your sphere of influence 
So your place, your coworkers, classmates, somebody around, and, I, and let me encourage you to do this. Pick um, two or three names of people that live in Northwest Arkansas. Okay, you could pick your family that lives, you know, in, in wherever, in Illinois or Texas or whatever, but for the purpose of this, why don't you pick two or three people that you know live here that they could either, you know for sure they don't have a relationship with God, or just somebody that you know is not very activated in their faith, they're not really pursuing the Lord, they're not really committed to a local church, okay? Start there, think of two or three people's names, jot those down, and then we're going to do a little activity together. I'm going to activate you in some prayer, all right? And then we'll close out the whole service.